Boom, bada bing, party people, what is happening? And welcome to another edition of Talking During Movies, the podcast where we take key moments and quotes from a film to drive a conversation. And I know some of you get a little upset with me because the key moments and quotes sometimes get lacking, but because that's because the conversation's so good. And I have a feeling this is going to be the same way. Fellow podcaster, a Twitter rock star, a social media savant, the hammer himself. Ladies and gentlemen, the often copied, never duplicated, king of the ring. Are you kidding me now? Party people. Can we give it up for my man, J-Man? How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me on, Jason. Well, when you win the lotto, I'm going to be your hype man. So I just wanted to get the application (laughs) in right away. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Jay, before we talk about the movie we picked and everything else, what's the best way for people to engage with you? Where can they find you? All of that fun stuff. Uh, well, um, pretty much on Twitter. I'm mainly on Twitter, uh, either on the movie page, uh, J Movie Talk Twitter page, or my personal page, The J Jobs. I mean, you can pretty much hit me up on either one of those pages. Perfect. And talk a little bit about your podcast. What do you guys do? Where can they find it? All that jazz. Well, um, you can find the podcast on the TV Zone Podcast uh, Network, www.tvzonepodcastnetwork.com, actually. Um, as far as movie talk, uh, I mean, I started it six years ago. Woo. Uh, yeah, right. Um, you know, it just kind of came about um, really out of nowhere. I mean, because I actually I'm a co-host on another podcast called the Keaton and Jay Show podcast and we kind of started that as an offshoot from that because mainly on that one we kind of talk about wrestling and everything and I was like you know what because I'm a huge movie guy myself anyway so I was like yeah let's start the movie uh she kind of bowed out a little bit after 19 episodes and I mean I just kind of kept it going and yeah here I am almost 300 episodes later so that's impressive I like it and then we're doing Night of the Living Dead, 1968, the OG version. Uh, what about this movie resonates with you? Why do you like it? What, what gives you the good vibes? I mean, it. I would say that this movie is one of those movies that it really shook up the world when it was made. Um, of course, it's way before my time, but just seeing it and like how it still holds up today. Um, all these years later, it still holds up. And even though it was filmed in black and white and everything, that doesn't bother me. And it shouldn't bother anyone else. Um, but 
yeah, I just, it's just one of those movies. It, it, it has a lot of social commentary to it. And, and it just, like I say, it's one of those movies that I think any person that consider themselves to be a film buff or anything, they definitely should watch this movie because it literally started a whole subgenre in itself. And like how many movies can you say, hey, I know that movie kickstarted a complete subgenre? It's true. I like it. All right, let's uh, let's go ahead and hit play on this beautiful thing, and then we'll just keep the conversation going. All right. So you were talking, you know, you um, you're talking about creating this this genre, you know, this uh, which or this subgenre, I should say, in horror, and it 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 is very unique. You know, they they the word is often there's nothing there. There's what there's just a couple of originals in Hollywood, right? Horror. Western yeah. <laughs> action, drama, romance. And then everything else is is kind of in that. And of course, this is, you know, in the horror genre, but it's very unique in the fact that it's it started something. And this is like, I mean, the horror film Ben, uh, about the little boy who liked rats that he turned into his little play friends that killed people for him. That started a horror genre of animals, you know, being villains or attacking. Mm-hmm. And this starts the the zombie genre. Uh, what is what is your take on where, how the zombie genre has evolved, if you will, uh, you know, from this the slow moving dun, 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 to the World War Z, where there's sprinters and they're crazy, to God knows what's happening in the 900 other zombie TV shows that are on right now. <laughs> what <laughs> right, right? Yeah, there's, there's a lot, and yeah, we're going to get more. Uh, yeah. So, um. As far as like the evolution of the zombie, I mean, yeah, it started out here. And it's funny, like when Romero first started this, he was, he didn't look at them as zombies. He called them ghouls. They were, they were not zombies. Um, but just how it kind of evolved with the times, because even in his films, they evolve. I mean, in this movie, they're pretty much brainless, you know, just, zombie creatures that are you know taking over a city um and everything and then you know as it go on we get a time you know a state starts to get taken over then it's like it's a slow progression of the zombie and i feel like with as time has gone on i feel like the zombies themselves and how they're used is a representation of us as a society basically i want to say a little bit so, I mean, that's, that's kind of how I look at it and just kind of listening to um, how George Romero himself has kind of talked about it. And I mean, who, who better than the person who literally created it, right? So when you listen to them talk about it, and I don't know, I've kind of had somewhat of a similar thought process on, on it as he has. And it's been, it's, it's great, like how it's changed because I think, you could only do the slow movers for so long until people got tired of it. And then all of a sudden, Oh, we're going to make them run. We're going to make them, you know, have actual thoughts and, you know, and everything like that. So yeah, I've I've just kind of enjoyed how as the years have gone on, how society has somewhat changed. The zombies themselves have changed also. 
Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I, I, I've, I've really enjoyed seeing the, uh, the evolution, you know, from the comedies and Simon Pegg and, and, and even the, the more serious ones that turn out to be kind of funny because it is zombies. Um, it's, uh, it's interesting to me how, whether it's slow or fast moving, there still is this inherent fear, right? Because yes. whether it's the turtle or the hare, at some point you're gonna get tired and have to rest. You have to lay down and they're just still one foot in front of the other. You know, it's, it's this idea of when they're slow moving of impending doom and when they're fast moving, it's shit, I hope they just run past me. No, no, I was just going to say like, I mean, as you were saying that it made me think about probably my favorite line from any one of Romero films is it comes from Dawn of the Dead um where the uh the priest he he says the line to um to them when they're sitting there he's like well right now you might be stronger than them but soon they be stronger than you mm-hmm. and it you know that, that's kind of stuck with me because like you said yeah at some point we would have to rest but they never have to rest and they're just going to keep going it doesn't matter they lose a limb they're going to keep on rolling so and it's, yeah. it, it's also interesting in what the way Romero has taken life after death here, right? I mean, it's, you know, every, everyone else is, you know, you're, you're gone, you're, you know, for whatever you believe or don't believe. And Romero kind of has this unique life purgatory look of uh, almost unfinished business, but not the way that we would see it almost of, you know, you, you never know what they're clamoring for. What, what was missed out in their life or what happened that has brought them back? Yeah. Um, I mean, with this film, it's kind of interesting because they all siege on this farmhouse. So mm-hmm. in a way that, I don't know, maybe, I don't, I don't know exactly what he was saying about that, but I do know like as far as, uh, like Don is is the whole consumerism thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a mall, you know. Malls were new at that time in the late seventies. Oh, it's a new thing. Oh, but we have to go to the mall. We still have to consume, basically. So, yeah, the mall thing that that plays interesting, right? Because one, that's a crazy cast. I mean, that cast is dynamite. You recognize everybody. It's like someone started somewhere. Some of our favorite actors started with Grizzly One and Two. Some of them started with, you know, uh, you know, Dawn of the Dead and the shopping mall. Uh, But it's, it is, it's, it's always interesting the the take that they make. And, you know, it's, I I do find it hilarious. Uh, And I'll ask this very silly question for you here. I mean, who thought driving gloves were ever cool? (laughs) Johnny just left his girl. He's just like, man, you know, it's, this is, this is the wildest thing because this is one of those rare movies as well where, you know, I mean, he's kind of fighting for his gal, but at first he just kind of leaves her. He's like, ah, strange dude, come on, let's go. And it's the antithesis of kind of the era of the, of the film, if you will, you know, where, oh, that's my girl, man, come on. And uh, he's, uh, he's not a very good fighter, I can tell you that. Just- no, no, I mean, he, he let a old uh, decrepit zombie get the better of him so it tells you a lot about johnny right <laughs> yeah right tells why his girl is running what was what was the first horror film you watched 
Uh, the first horror film I ever seen was actually uh, Death by Temptation. Oh, um, wow. Deep cut. Yeah. 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 That, was, that was the very first one I ever seen. Yeah. Goodness. What, uh, do you remember what scared you about it or what, uh, you know, what? Um... Well, I mean, seeing it very young, you, you kind of don't fully understand a lot of the sexual you know stuff that's going on in the movie especially seeing it as a young kid but the one thing that always stuck with me like as a kid after watching that movie is the scene where she eats uh Kadeem Hardison's character through the tv and just those like just you see these like he gets consumed by the television it's like is that going to happen to me am I going to get eaten by the tv or something so that always kind of freaked me out as a kid but now I, I kind of, I look more at it, uh, you know, for what it was. And I think it was kind of saying something about uh, multiple things, really, I mean, like sexuality and, you know, also uh, STDs and stuff like that. that. That movie is a lot deeper than what I thought it was, like seeing it as a kid mm-hmm. and everything. But but yeah, seeing it as a kid, like I say, it's funny when you see something as a kid and then we see it as an adult, your whole entire perception of the movie can change. So Oh, absolutely. It'll it'll change and it'll um, you know, it'll uh and once again, we're talking real quick. I just gotta bring this up because you know, how fast can you run? Where can you go? You gotta rest. This gal's in a car, she's coasting, she wrecks the car, the dude's still just humming along, step after step. I mean. She's she's a Paula Abdul song. She's two steps forward, one step back, and everything she does, she's she's going crazy. This poor gal. But I, I was gonna say, you know, it's it's interesting. But my first horror film that I really remember, my my dad just terrifying me too. I watched Cujo. Wow. And he and he let me watch it by myself in the dark, and then he snuck up behind me and he was like, rah, 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 rah. <laughs> it's just, just scared the shit out of me. And I'm like. Hey man, you know, I look now. I've got a, I've got a daughter, and I was like, I, I couldn't do that to my kid. Uh, but it was, you know, and I would never probably let her watch Cujo, you know. Uh, but it was, a, it was different. I mean, I loved it. I thought it was. I liked being scared. I liked that feeling. Yeah, right? it just is is something about that for some reason. Yeah. I say, so, Death by Temptation was my first, and the original It was my second. Ooh, okay. All right. And I actually watched that by myself. And to this day is why I still have a fear of clowns. Uh, hey, man, I do not blame <laughs> you on that one. All right. I am 100% with you on that. Fear of clowns. I also, uh, Friday the 13th, I was like, I don't have to go to camp anymore. I'm good. Right? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I am A-okay. Y'all can leave me alone, please. That would be fantastic. Do you, um, when you... Uh, when you look at this evolution, you know, especially in, in horror films, it's interesting. We, and I, I love your take on this, right? Because we went from kind of scary and then we went from like scary sci-fi. And then we got into this, and it probably started before, but really kicked off with Saw, was how gross can I get? Yeah. You know, and, and then we went from that to this meta horror, like Midsommar, like, Oh, it's unique horror because it happens during the day. We haven't had a horror film where it's sunny all the time. You should be scared. And I'm chomping on the popcorn going, I just, I'm ready to get scared. And, you know, now we're, we're, it seems that we're getting back to the horror roots 
of really trying to find unique ways to scare people. Um, the, uh, and I'm drawing a blank because this is what I do. Uh, the, um, the Get Out movie, like that was scary. Yeah. And, and the other one where, you know, the people lived under the city and they had the, the scissors. They were fucking terrifying, right? I mean, just <laughs> unnerving, but it was unnerving good. Did you have a favorite type of horror or is it just, you know, um, or is it all kinds, all brands, doesn't matter. You just, you're, you're in for the fun. Well, um, I actually do. Um, I've always been drawn more to the slashers for some reason. Okay. Um, yeah, it's it just the, the slasher genre to me it has always been kind of interesting, um, especially with which are Friday the 13th. So even to some degree, your Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a, that's a whole that's a dream. Like, how, how do you escape that? Because everyone has to sleep, right? So, <laughs> how do you escape that? Um, I even had a friend of mine. He even came over to concept. So, you know, it would be a great idea. What if they did Nightmare on Elm Street in space? And it's like, yeah, because if you get people in a in cryo sleep and you're asleep the whole time, like, how do you escape that? Oh yeah, right. That that'd be the scariest thing ever. But but no, um, but slashers, yeah, slashers is has always been like my favorite subgenre of the horror genre. Just I, I can't fully explain it, mm-hmm. but yeah, is is I don't know. Anytime there's a slasher, yeah, I just I just love it. Is there you know, and you've got your movie podcast, and then uh, so you've got two podcasts going. What, you know, for the people out there that are listening, that are, that are podcast fans, what inspired you to start a podcast? Uh, and then tell us a little bit more about uh, your, your podcast, kind of what you guys do, how you do it, all that fun stuff. Well, um, with the original podcast, which is still going, it's over 300 episodes at, at this point, uh, the Keita and Jay Show, uh, we started that, uh, well, she, uh, Keita, she's she started it really um mm-hmm. she kind of just put it out there like hey who wants to start a podcast and i was kind of like well i'll do it you know type of thing so we kind of started talking about it and everything and podcast got rolling like i say it started out as a wrestling podcast we still talk about wrestling but as time has gone on like with everything you kind of have to evolve a little bit if you mm-hmm. want to keep keeping the game especially like I say 300 plus episodes later um and everything but yeah uh that's how that kind of got started like i say it's primarily a wrestling podcast but we talk about everything under the sun really uh like whatever piques our interest like mo- we, we talk movies sometimes we talk we even talk sports we talk politics even sometime here and there if it's something that's <laughs> worth talking about sure right now, now um, wrestling is this professional wrestling yes, yes, yes okay yes. Yeah, yeah. All right, WWE, so now I gotta go. AEW. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, I mean, I'm gonna show my age here. Uh, I was a big fan of the British Bulldogs, Junkyard Dog, the Iron Sheik, um, the Ultimate Warrior, Jimmy Superfly Snooker. Those were my people back when I was a kid watching wrestling. It was uh it's it's changed a lot since then. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's changed a lot since I was a kid. I mean, I was a kid. I grew up in the nineties, so I I, I oh, witnessed. Man, I'm seventies, man. Come on now. <laughs> so, I, so I witnessed, you know, the whole WWF before mm-hmm. in WCW because I actually started watching wrestling. I started watching with WCW because okay, since I'm in Florida, I mean, so that's that's a lot closer. I mean, that was based out of Atlanta, so. WCW or well, NWA WCW if you want mm-hmm. to go get that far into it but yeah that's that's why I started and I actually stopped watching wrestling when I was in high school so around 2003 I stopped I, I, I just lost interest and I didn't watch for a good seven years and I was flipping the channels one day on June 27th, 2011. Some guy named CM Punk was on cutting this crazy promo. It's like, huh, sounds interesting. Maybe I should start back watching wrestling again. Yeah. So, and that's how it started. So I started back in 2011 and we ended up starting the podcast in 2015. So even sometimes on the show, I'll bring it up every so often. It was like, well, if I never saw him cut that promo, I never get back into wrestling. I never start doing the podcast and I'm not doing all these podcasts now. So I, in a roundabout way, I actually have to thank CM Punk for getting me into podcasting too. Dang. All right. Nice. Nice. The, it's, um, you know, I, I, I think uh, you know, the, the, the wrestling thing is, is very interesting to me, right? Because it's, it's gone through so many changes and there's been so you know, that these guys are going from, you know, professional wrestling to MMA, MMA to professional wrestling. Uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's um, this evolution, this, this, it's turned into this full entertainment. How do you stay abreast of all the stuff that's happening? Well, um... I mean, are you doing magazines and watching the, I mean, because I don't like, I mean, I just get confused. I got to watch the old school stuff. Like, I love that new show, <laughs> Vice, Behind the Ring or Inside the Ring or whatever that is. Have you uh, seen Dark that? Side of the Ring. Dark yeah. Side of the Ring. Yeah. Bro, that is the show. Yeah, I mean, Ooh. some of those episodes are, are kind of depressing because they <laughs> they go in, especially like some of the ones they did. I mean, well, let's see, because they're in season three now. That's where they are. I mean, mm-hmm. they just started the second half of season three. Uh, but the first half of season three, when they, I mean, they did the whole um, with the with Grizzly Smith, that yeah, whole thing. That was and, dark. Yeah, and I'm like, I mean, you 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 have his his children. I mean, Jake, Snake Robbers, Sam Houston, Rock and Robin. You can tell that they're they're victims. You know, even though they're a lot older now and everything, but there's trauma that's still there, mm-hmm. and it's just you know that whole thing, the whole Chris Benoit. Eddie Guerrero thing that yeah some of those episodes yeah are are truly living up to the name of the show of dark side of the ring so but no um actually with me the I kind of I kind of look at wrestling for what it for what it is I don't get too caught up into the it's still real to me type of thing Mm because I mean we know it's entertainment but I I look at it from the outside. I don't I don't look at it as if I'm an insider because I'm not. I'm not an insider. I'm I'm just a fan. And 
I look at it through fans' eyes. I mean, if certain topics get brought up, you know, that deals with real-world issue type of thing in the confines of wrestling, I have an opinion on it. But as far as, you know, wins and losses, oh, this person is being buried or why is this person on my TV every week? It's like, well, I mean, it is what it is type of thing. You know, it's like, I don't, I don't let it drive like how I should feel about wrestling. I don't get caught up in the kayfabe, you know, thing and everything like that anymore mm-hmm. because we're past that. We're past that at this point. I mean, we know what it is. And honestly, I've gotten to the point where I feel like all of entertainment is wrestling really yeah <laughs> Hell, you think politics are damn near wrestling <laughs> yeah yeah it could be i mean everything in a roundabout way goes back to wrestling i mean you have people that are built up to be superstars you have other people who get buried and forgotten in time you you know you have all these different storylines i mean you just look at it with with movies with sports with whatever you know you want it has the everything now has become wrestling sports entertainment as Vince McMahon calls it Mm -hmm. do you um you know hard hard left turn here out of wrestling real quick uh this just popped into my head I want to ask you this uh Night of the Living Dead 1968 controversial in the fact that you know, controversial for the, for the time, I should say, and the, the people that were first watching this and good for Romero, but he's got a white woman and an African-American man in a home together mm. and he's the hero. The African-American yes. man's the hero. Uh, I don't think during that time or even through the seventies and early eighties, you know, you're, you're gonna find, especially on the big screen, uh, maybe on television, but on the big screen, uh, men that that are african-american taking charge like this uh it's you know it's it's one of those star trek risks if you will um <laughs> yeah you know and, and it, it you know people can you know look back and say why was it a risk and you know they can belate that point to, to to the best of us but the reality is is that it was and uh, i wonder you know culturally I, you know I, i've got to assume this had a huge impact it had to. Okay, so regarding that, I mean, now Romero has said that he didn't cast Dwayne Jones because he was African American. He cast him because he was the best actor for the part. God, that's a great answer. God bless and, him. And, and yeah, I mean, so so basically, if you think about it, who would have played, you know? the Ben character if Dwayne Jones wasn't cast. I've always kind of had that question, like, who would have played that? Of course, it would have been someone that he knew because pretty much he knew all of these, you know, actors, you know, young actors that was either on stage and stuff like that or doing little small things that he was friends with at the time. So it makes you wonder, like, who he would have cast in that role. But when you think about, like, how the movie plays, it's never truly played up that Ben is black. It's, 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 it's never played up like that. Um, as as you kind of watch it, I mean, yeah, the rivalry that kind of ensues later on with him and uh, uh, Cooper, but um, you could almost say, well, 
did Cooper not like him because he was black or is it because he was taking charge? So it's like it, you, you can kind of actually start to manifest certain things. And also, even with Barbara, was she so afraid of the fact that Johnny was killed and this zombie was chasing her? Or was she more afraid that she was in a house with this black man and she didn't know how to really react around him? Yeah, and I, I mean, I would argue that, you know, the, to your points is that it was, it was a, uh, a threat based on dominance, not on skin color. And, and that she was just, I mean, this girl was traumatized in the car when they were pulling up to the, uh, to the uh, cemetery. Like she's, she hasn't had like a strong mental composition from the beginning of this film. Right. You know, I mean, she's just, she, she, this is the guy who's like, did the bunny die? And you're like, yeah, the bunny died. Oh, my week's ruined. I can't even work. You know, so it's, uh, but I, 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 I love the fact that, and I mean, a cue for everyone to watch this movie, you know, A, he chose the best actor for what he wanted to get accomplished on screen and won and did it and, and, you know, amazing acting job. But then two, not playing up the fact that the man is black is, is, is fantastic, right? Yep. Because he is, Romero's doing what, you know, people have been trying to do for, for a very long time. And they get lost in this sea of, how can I make it more complex, more different versus, can I tell the story and let everyone else figure everything else out on why I told it this way. But he's a genius, absolute genius. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he fully gets the credit he truly deserves outside of the horror genre. Mm -hmm. I mean, horror fans, yes, you know, they love him, rightfully yeah. so. But I don't think he gets the credit because like I say, this movie is only a few years after Guess who's coming to dinner? No, oh, Sydney Portier. Right. Yeah, right. which I mean, didn't Sydney Portier? Did he win a? Uh, did he win an Oscar for that? No, he actually he won the Oscar for uh, Lilies of the Field, where he plays okay. uh, the handyman in that one. Okay, but uh, I, I, I don't think he was nominated for it either. Okay, uh, I think Spencer Tracy he might have been nominated, I believe, but, but. Um, but yeah, like I say, that's coming off. This is coming off of the heels of that, and is is that whole thing of, okay, you're looking like for a good portion of this movie, is being in Barbara. Mm -hmm. There's no one else. I mean, yeah. yeah, you got the zombie, you know, the zombie that's kind of roaming around outside, but for the most part, it's Ben and Barbara. So you're just seeing this, you know, this whole culture clash really if you think about it and ben is kind of carrying everything also she she's in the background just you know traumatized but ben is like okay we have to board up this house we have to do this we have to do that type of thing he's he's commanding everything and like you said also you didn't see a lot of that especially at that time you didn't yeah. you did not see a lot of that so it's it's kudos it really is and it's um and uh, it's, you know, I'm sure there are some ladies that'll be listening going, yeah, well, 
where's our film that did this? Uh, Alien, Sigourney Weaver. All right, that lady took control. <laughs> Well, well, she got a hand who wants to be in start to get killed off. <laughs> She's like, oh, you guys are going to die? Suckers. Let me show you this is done. All right, let me show you it's done. Damn it. No, it's, 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 it's very fascinating. Uh, I, I, think it's, I think the one missing note that people have across a lot of horror films is that, you know, and you brought it up with your first horror film, uh, they miss the subtleties. They're there for the gore. They're there for the fear. They're there for the scare but they miss the, the social commentaries. And I don't think outside of horror fans, horror films get enough credit for really shining a light on something. And they can obtusely shine the light on it. They can just be like, look at this. You can't look away without having to say anything. And, and horror almost does it better than, than any other genre out there. Yeah. And I think that's one reason why I enjoy the, horror genre the way i do in general because yeah they i mean they were doing stuff that you didn't see a lot of in quote-unquote mainstream movies Mm -hmm. because they were allowed to get away with certain things but i mean like a romero like i I don't see how any other mainstream filmmaker would have been able to do certain things that he did like you know his living dead series i i don't see how anyone else would have been able to do anything like that especially back at that time and i mean this movie comes out in the heart of the civil rights movement and i always find it interesting too that he tells the story that he knew he had something special but what kind of put the nail in the coffin of like yeah this is something special is that he's driving the film from pittsburgh to new york on april 4th 1968 for anyone who doesn't know what that date is that's the date that martin luther king was assassinated so he knew he had something special and he felt like you know the world deserves to see this film and also too that kind of put even more of an impact when you have Dwayne jones as your lead character and just how strong of a performance that he gives in this movie. So. No, it's uh, I, I didn't realize that part that, that that's when he was um, delivering the film. That's that adds a, a, another layer to this thing. Obviously beautiful mosaic here. I mean, it is, it's, uh, it's just, it's awe-inspiring. It really is. And it, you know, and, and people are gonna, you know, they're, I'm gonna get some emails about people being like, oh, you're getting a little cheesy on this. Yeah, I am, but it's it's worthy to get cheesy on this because who else is taking those, and how else can you take these risks? You know, you. I, I think it's, it's, it's interesting. I like your insight on this because risk comes with reward, but risk also comes with approaching an issue or seeing something and deciding to apply a different view or a paradigm shift to it you know um and i'm I'm wondering you know as as you see this film and doing that um you know with yourself and and your life and, and where you're at what are some of the the unique ways you've unlocked doors to uh to solve pro not necessarily solve problems but just see the world in a different way you know again i'll i'll, I'll use an example real quick and i always say uh new keys don't unlock old doors and 
you got to try try new stuff and, and and that stuff starts with for me it's always about the experience where does the experience lie what happens how does it go and how can i make an experience unique and different for people whether it's in person or or through through digital or, or pictures wherever it may be and in that the thought process then changes because i don't have to be different but i do want to see that i do want to show the people a different view like we're all looking at the same dollar bill you just might be looking at uh, a dead white guy on the front and i'm looking at a shitty old building on the back right <laughs> yeah. and, you know and we're, we're explaining something and it's completely obtuse to both of us but the reality is that it's paper thin yeah, it's just a piece of paper. Just a piece of paper. <laughs> it's just a crazy piece of paper. But, you know, it's, it's, that, it's that unique look, right? It's that problem solving, that unique look. Um, how, do you, how do you approach that? Do, do you take stuff like this that you learn from movies in any way? I mean, it sounds kind of silly to say, but um, I mean, I know I do. Do you take stuff from these movies and, and, and then not necessarily copy, but go, oh, interesting. No, I actually, I, I have. I mean, ever since I was a kid, because I mean, I've been watching movies since I was a little kid. And you do start to kind of see things differently by the type of movies that you watch. Me, I watch all different types of movies. Yes, horror is a favorite genre of mine, but I I love a good action movie. I love mm-hmm. I love a good drama. I You know, um, a thriller, you know, everything like that, everything on the sun, pretty much. I will watch, and if it connects to me, kind of like music, you know, if, if you feel it in your soul, if, if there's something about it that connects to you, that you see yourself in some type of way, you do kind of take that through your life. And a perfect example of that, and it's kind of funny when I say this, because watching the movie Heat at nine years old, <laughs> Um, the line that Robert De Niro says about, you know, if I see any, you know, if I feel the heat coming around the corner, I will drop whatever I'm doing in 30 seconds flat. And I've kind of held on to that all these years later. That's, that's one thing I've kind of held on to. If I feel like I'm in a bad situation or, you know, something's just not working, I'll just, you know, quit and I'm moving on to the next thing. Sure. And that, that's kind of resonated with me seeing this movie seeing someone like ben it it makes me feel like yes i i have a voice uh, you know if i'm in a certain type of a situation i feel like i will have the wherewithal to you know be able to come up with some type of a sound idea to find a solution to whatever problem you know we're in um so yeah uh, movies I know, well, for me, movies have been a big influence on my life in general, I should say. Um, whatever type of movie, even, I mean, going back to like we were talking about earlier about the slashers, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the whole undertones of those movies about, well, if you, if you do drugs, you're going to get killed. If you have premarital yeah. sex, you're going to get killed. You know, Those people dying, son, they're, they're, yeah. they're done. Right, you know, because it, I always look at that as being the thing of, well, when you take your eye off the ball, that's when you get got. Mm-hmm. And I've always kind of kept that as a thing. So it's like you stay the course, you stay focused, because generally the final girls generally are the ones who've been paying attention to like, okay, what is going on here? What happened to such and such? Where'd they mm-hmm. go? Oh, well, they probably, 
No, they were just here. What happened? You know, type of thing. You know, people who pay attention to things, pay attention to the details, they generally are the ones who survive those type of moves. That's true. Um, and everything. So, yeah, I mean, I've, I've kind of taken a lot from movies and kind of incorporated into my life and for better or for worse, uh, you know, depending on, because I tell people this too, which they always kind of look at me funny when I say it. it's like, well, my favorite, like going off on a tangent real quick, my favorite superhero, quote unquote, superhero character is actually the comedian from Watchmen. Okay. <laughs> and, and people, right? That's that. That's generally the, the the response I get. It's just always like, "Why?" It's like, "Well, he saw the world for what it truly was." And if you can find the funny in pretty much everything and just kind of go with it, you'll be fine. Granted, he had some issues himself, you know, but still, it is that whole thing of, you know, look at look at things for what it is. Don't always try to i guess project certain things onto it mm-hmm. i guess but yeah is like i say movies movies like i say they have been a huge influence on my life and i guess that's one reason why i enjoy doing especially the movie podcast because I, I i get i get a, a joy out of being able to sit behind the microphone and talk about movies Henceforth, I think that's the reason why I named my podcast <laughs> J Movie Talk. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. I really do, man. And I and I I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I I love film. I love movies so much. And I like to, I, I'm like you. I pull tidbits from them and, and insights. And I uh and I and I find it really fascinating. It's so funny. I'm, I'm talking to you right now, and for some reason, hold on one second. My um my devices in my house just all turned on. I said a word that was quite magical to them. <laughs> Everything just lit up. I was like, was my kid doing something? It's like, no, 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 no. Just, I said a word. <laughs> but uh, no, I was gonna say, so they, but they do, they really resonate with me and I, I find them fascinating. And I also find them really, uh, really enjoyable and, and like yourself. I like to pull things from them. I like every genre as well. Um, I, I go through my waves, you know, I, I like the really deep, crazy documentaries these days like have you seen uh operation odessa no i haven't oh my gosh so i'm gonna butcher this and there are people who are gonna freak out i apologize party people (laughs) this is basically so there's a guy who is part of the uh one of the largest colombian drug cartels Mm. and he has found himself some friends in miami one of them deals in the trade of exotic cars and exotic boats, especially speed boats. And then there's this other uh, Israeli gentleman, who's kind of like a big bear and he likes the strip clubs and cocaine. The perfect triplet combo. These crazy assholes are literally, no hyperbole and exaggeration, they are one hour away from using Colombian drug money to buy a Soviet nuclear submarine. What? (laughs) (laughs) They bought the big choppers that they'd like pick it up and move it with. They bought like 20 of those to, uh, you know, to have in Colombia to zip around and move, move drugs better. They're tired of getting busted and they're like, oh, 
you know, they were talking to this guy and he's like, you know, with the collapse of the Soviet Union, I bet we could get you a nuclear sub pretty cheap. Oh. These motherfuckers, they almost got one. And then there's the other one, I forget, it's about the triplets that uh, were all raised by different families. They were part of an experiment, an adoption experiment, hmm. where they're just asking, they're like, so we're going to take these triplets and they're being given up for adoption. We're not going to keep them together on purpose. In fact, what we're going to do is we're going to give one to a upper middle class wealthy household, a middle class household, and a blue collar household. And we're going to see how they react and whether they're different or not different. And they find out because one kid went to upstate New York to this community college and then dropped out after a year. And then the other kid went, decided to transfer there. And he goes walking in and he's like, man, everyone's saying hi to me. <laughs> like, hey, Bob. He's like, not my name, but man, what a friendly group of people. This girl ran up, gave me a kiss in the cheek, said it was great to see me. I couldn't believe what was happening. And he finds out he's got a twin. And then these two assholes are hanging out. And they do a news article on him and some guy's reading it. And they find out they're triplets and they were separated at birth for an ex societal experiment on what happens if you take triplets and raise them in the same home or in different homes. That's that's insane. I mean, these guys were on Donahue. There's like on the Today Show. Like we all smoke the same brand of cigarettes. We like the same girls. You know that we we dress the same. We don't know each other. And but they also because they were separated and from their mom, they didn't realize the mental health issues she had that parlayed into their lives. Hmm. Wow. But yeah, I mean, just absolute, just crazy nonsense. And it was, I mean, it was nuts. I couldn't, I was absolutely positively blown away. And so I, I really get into those. And then like yourself, man, I get into the thrillers and uh, I get into, I'm big into um, kind of the action, old school action though. I'm getting back into the Chuck Norris and Jean-Claude Van Damme's because I just, I miss that silliness. And I think The Rock and Kevin Hart kind of bring a little bit of that silliness, they bring it back. Yeah. But I miss the fact that Chuck Norris walks into a room and he's like, all right, you guys, you know, or even I watched the other night, I watched it with my kid and I forgot how politically incorrect it was. I mean, this was a family staple. We watched this at least once a month when I was growing up and I watched with my daughter and I got chastised by her, I got in trouble. She's eight <laughs> years old and I had her watch Major Pain. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it, did, it does not translate well for today's kids. When he's making fun of the kid for being overweight, he's making the fun. You know, he's like, "Look at all my little scrotum fat, one tubby yeah. tubby." You know, and you're just like, and I forgot how aggressive the language was. And I'm kind of laughing because I'm almost fifty, and that's still funny to me. But that's there's nothing in that movie that my kid can watch where she can be like, "So, what did you do this weekend?" Let me tell you about the movie my dad and I watched. And then I'll just walk myself down to see the principal. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, <laughs> something that I'm kind of learning that nostalgia is, 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 is yeah, yeah, pretty much. What <laughs> um, a, a lot of the stuff, you know, who watched as kids is, it's like, ooh, it's like, yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't play well now. It's like, how was that like allowed at that time but it, you know like what we talked about earlier you know evolution 
you know, yeah. certain, you know, certain things were tolerated at a certain particular point in time. So, yeah, but some of that stuff now, when you look at it, it's like, ugh, it's like, ew, how did I like this? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> like what? Like, why was that? So, and what were my parents doing? Giving it the green light? They're like, here you go, knock yourself out. You guys have a good time. You're like, okay. I mean, they're just leaving me alone with this movie. And then they're wondering why I would get in trouble at school, you know, for uh, for making fun of a kid doing something. And they're like, what? I'm like, I just I learned it from Major Payne. <laughs> right? Yeah. Why wouldn't I? Right? I mean, no. that's that's the military in a nutshell. It's fantastic. Uh, what did you uh, when your uh, your your other movie? Your your, your, the, your Jay's talking about movies. What kind of movies do you get into, um, and and what's what's the for for the people listening there? Where um, what kind of style? I mean, obviously different from this, where we're just randomly talking and poking fun of this movie here and there. Like this guy's pants are pretty high, but um, <laughs> dude, this cat with the tie. I mean, he's it's he's got alligator arms to reach into those pockets because it's up by his nipples, man. I mean, this is uncomfortable for me to watch. Well, he was the worst, but <laughs> he's, he's the epitome of just the of shitty white guy. Like if there's a picture of that in the dictionary, this guy's it's right next to it. He's got the award, right? And see, there's a lot of people in today's society that would like to take his spot. And they've got good credits to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, as as far as uh, movie talk goes, um, I mean, it, it started out as okay i'm just gonna pick movies you know just to do just just to get behind the microphone just to talk about Mm -hmm. um but then it evolved to where okay i mean for the most part it is a nostalgic type of a podcast because i do more mostly older films okay um, and everything uh i mean i do i have gotten more into doing more recent films like uh, here early this year, I did Tenet. Um, oh, what's uh, real quick? Well, put put a put a pin in that because I want to ask you about that. Okay, but all right, keep going. Um, and then I did um, like Mortal Kombat, the new Mortal Kombat, uh, Suicide Squad. So, like I say, I, I've, I'm getting more into doing like somewhat current movies, but at the same time, for the most part, I will generally kind of reach into my movie bag and pick out you know older movies that i feel like they deserve to be talked about more like uh this month um as we're doing this in september i i dedicate the whole month to burt reynolds and i talked about burt reynolds films Woo-hoo! i love so, me some burt yeah so i did i did white lightning gator um smoking the bandit and the longest yard the original longest yard okay so, you know, so, so it's basically like stuff like that. I will go back and do uh, here. As a matter of fact, a while back, uh, I actually did uh, JCVD's uh, Lionheart, <laughs> which, yeah, that movie is, is kind of insane uh, <laughs> when you think about it and just how Van Damme pretty much doesn't talk a lot in that movie. <laughs> he, he just kind of goes through the motions I mean, it's like Keanu comes- Reeves took his acting class from that from that film. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's mean. I know. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I, I think Keanu has a little bit more range than yeah, he does. Than 
Yeah, um, no, 100%. But, but yeah, I mean, yeah, at a certain point, yeah, Keanu would. I mean, he should have took that approach with Dracula, but that's another story. <laughs> um, but, and, and look, I, I love Keanu Reeves, all right? I, I, I love him. He, he's, you talk about someone who clearly reinvented their career. I mean, he's right there as far as like. I mean, it's like him and Travolta. Him, Travolta, and uh, Iron Man, um, Robert Downey. Yeah, because I was actually having a conversation with somebody about Robert Downey. It's like, you know, depending on your age, you don't remember when he was in and out of jail. <laughs> you know, you don't remember that. I used to, so, I used to make a joke, it's, you know, but I used, to be like, I used to like to get so high that I would have a Robert Downey Jr. moment. Am I getting in the right bed? <laughs> and the funny thing was people would look at me like why would you make fun of Iron Man and I'm like oh oh you don't know that cat he's gone through a lot and he's come out ahead I mean he's listen he has turned he's turned dog shit into diamonds and he's yeah. done an amazing job and I give him all the credit in the world for not only coming back but and not just breathing but actually really doing great work and challenging people it's pretty yeah. awesome yeah i mean shoot uh, matter of fact uh here the other month i did natural born killers Ooh. and I, I talked about him in that and, and yeah it's like the dude people i think people forget just how good of an actor he is because he got to the point where he's just iron man you know he's mm-hmm. tony stark basically he's become tony stark in real life basically too but yeah once upon a time he was a he was a very good it still is. I mean, he has a he's kind of what semi-retired, if you will, but yeah. wouldn't he be? But he the things that he could do as far as an actor, you just look at it's like, why hasn't he won an Oscar? I mean, granted, I think I know why, but mm-hmm. he just some some of the performances that he's done is like Chaplin. Chaplin is one. Uh, I mean, it's kind of crazy. I always say this that. If Tropic Thunder would have came out in a different year, he probably would have won the Oscar for for his performance in Tropic Thunder. Yeah, and that's a it's such a great movie and a movie that couldn't be made again. No, and it's funny. It's just what barely ten years old, but <laughs> you know, is yeah, because people. I mean, on on I don't know if you see this on online or anything like that, but every so often, like every couple of months, they bring up about the fact. Oh, you know. Robert Downey did blackface in a movie, huh? you know, and it's like, did you watch the movie? Do you not yeah. understand what his character is supposed to be? And the fact that he's, it's Robert Downey Jr. playing the character of Kirk Lazarus, who's playing the black sergeant, and then inside of that, he does a character, and it's like, how many actors could do that? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> It's like that in itself is master class and, and how he comes out of it. And he really does keep the character going on the DVD commentary, which is great. Because I, I, when I bought the movie, I made sure I watched it with the commentary just to see if he did. And he did it. That's he, he keeps that. He's in character the whole time. And as it gets to the end, he finally becomes Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, he's that's it's him and uh, Tom Cruise in that film are masterful. And people, and people don't even realize that's Tom Cruise sometimes. It's like, yeah, that's Tom Cruise. I'm telling you, Scientology missing out on great marketing. 
They just need to show a picture of Tom Cruise before Scientology and then after Scientology. And if it's bank account, just show me a face, a side-by-side -side picture. And just be like, he's a Scientologist, right? I mean, they should just have a person with their hands up like, I don't know what he did, but he's a Scientologist. You know, you'd get a lot more young Hollywood people in there. Well, that, yeah. I mean, that cat just gets better looking and stronger and does crazier, more physically demanding stuff as he gets older. It's surreal. And it's crazy that he's 60. It's like, what? I know. It's like, but then again, I'm thinking about like, I have been watching him ever since I was a kid. So he's like, yeah, he, I mean, shoot. So yeah, I, I get it. But but he's a, he's another one that I don't think truly gets a, enough credit as far as his acting goes because it's like the Scientology stuff. And the fact that mm -hmm. he's, he, I, I think he did it himself where he relegated himself to just doing action. Yep. Because if you watched him in Magnolia, it's like mm. this guy can he Tom Cruise can really act. So it's like, yeah, because I always tell people, like, whenever so, if a conversation comes up about Tom Cruise, I always say, watch Magnolia. Watch him in Magnolia. Yeah. Watch him in it. Now we, we put a pin in something. So I want to get back to that. And okay. Now I can't remember what I put a pin in. Damn it. Tenant, that real tenant. What do you think of tenant? Okay, so I did not see it at the movie theater. Not like Christopher Nolan wanted everyone to do. Um, but when I finally got a chance to watch it, it's become one of my favorite movies. I <laughs> I have watched that movie at least sixty times. <laughs> yes, I have wow. watched it at least sixty times. And me and a friend, we, we kind of go back and forth talking about, like, what do we think, like, certain, certain things about the movie. We just try to figure it out because that movie, I mean, I, I kind of thought, I'm like, okay, it's a, it's a Christopher Nolan movie. So you, you kind of have an idea what you're getting with a Christopher Nolan movie. Mm -hmm. But I've never seen any anything like Tenet. I, to compare it to one other movie, I would say that, and this is kind of a bold statement when I say this, I feel like Tenet for this generation is what 2001 A Space Odyssey was for an, a previous generation. Wow. Alright. Okay. Yeah. Wow. It, it, because it, it it's like when that movie gets to a certain point and you you notice it when it happens and it takes it turns a complete gear and it's like what and by the time you get to the end you don't know what the hell is really going on but at the same time you're just sitting there in awe because you're watching you, you, you're witnessing something that you're just trying to figure out how was this made how mm -hmm. did they do this it's, it's like what and then when you realize the whole thing about robert pattinson character and it's like yeah, that just kind of blows your mind. So, yeah, I, I don't know how he's going to top this movie, really. I mean, I think he's he's in a very unique position, right? Christopher Nolan's in this weird position because we are living in an era of film where you don't have to watch it, watch the whole movie. You don't have to pay attention all the time. Yeah. Right? You can be on your iPad. You can be at home, especially through this year. Well, the, the longest 15 day flatten the curve cycle of, of, of all time. You've, you know, you're getting all these films at home through HBO Max, through Amazon Prime, Netflix, whatever it may be. 
you're getting them all at home. And so you've got an added layer of distraction, right? You've yep. got this layer of the phone. I'm going to get a get popcorn. I can pause it. I can walk away. And what I found with Tenet was very interesting because I kind of watched it the first time, just kind of. And it didn't resonate because I was pausing it. It took me, you know, five or six hours to watch it. I kept pausing it, getting up, doing stuff. And I was watching it, but I was watching it, you know, in these sections and bites. Mm. And then I watched it again, but I sat down and watched it like by myself. No one's in the house. Dog's asleep. I'm just, I'm, I'm dedicating my time to this. And that changed the whole film fundamentally changed the whole film for me it, it made it I, I understood it it was easier to follow I got it a lot better and I was much more engaged and so the twists and turns were real true life twists and turns that really brought you closer into the film that uh that I don't think could happen with uh let's say um you know just watching it in little chunks and doing whatever you're doing for the rest of the day definitely not definitely not right and then yeah. I think the when you actually try to if you try to wireframe that film into a, a script or into an app, your your mind would break. I mean, I, I think Christopher Nolan doesn't get enough credit for the complexity he brings in with the ease that he brings it in. Yeah, I mean, I feel like he has been building to this movie because I mean, what he does with Memento, the movie is is played backwards right he so he does that then he does dunkirk which we realize is three different times is going on in that movie and then by the time we get to tenant it's like okay this is the definitive of what he's basically been building towards all these years is this movie and that's why i said i don't i don't see how he can talk but i'm pretty sure he's 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 gonna do it some way somehow he's gonna do something that's gonna even top tenant so but but yeah I, like i said i, I I've, I've just fallen in love with tenant and i know a lot of people they still don't understand it and it's probably because like you said you know they're probably watching it and not really watching it because it's one of those movies you have to pay attention to you can't oh i can i can look down at my phone and see what's going on on twitter or instagram or whatnot and then look back up because you, in that length of time that you're looking down you're missing valuable key moments of this movie yeah little so. nuances i mean it's it's just and it and it's also i mean i've had a couple of past guests who've been like hey can we talk over tenant i'm like no <laughs> like why not i'm like one we can talk over the first five minutes and that'll take an hour and we can talk over the last five minutes and that'll take another hour and then everything else in between the other two hours and 30 minutes in between it's up to you because there's just that first scene has got i mean it's like this movie Right, it sets a tone. Yep, and it sets it. it, it you're you're in the first twenty minutes of of Night of the Living Dead. You understand not only who the characters are and what's happening, but the tone has been set. You've got a leader. You've got a gal who you just know she's she's perplexed and doesn't know what's going on. You've got a guy who's figuring stuff out. They don't like bright lights. The the fire. I'm going to take control. And in Tenet, you've got. You've got microcosms of these nuances that seem to happen every five to eight minutes. Yeah. And that's based on what? What we don't, and spoiler alert, folks, sorry. You don't realize how the future is impacting things until it's impacted those things. 
and then you get to see that unwind or wind up in 10 minute segments for two and a half hours is nuts. <laughs> and then, and the, okay, so the, the, yeah, no, first half, the first half of that movie, it plays, you know, kind of straightforward, pretty much. There's, but you get like the weird stuff with the inversion and all of that. Yeah. Okay. okay. But then when you get, and, and the part that I say where it really hits that next level, that second gear, is the whole you know when they kidnap um cat and the protagonist and they have them you know her she's inverted you know in the past basically and they're having that conversation in the red room and the blue room and when ives and his team shows up and then you know satyr he goes back to the he's back in the past mm-hmm. at that point from that point on the movie goes into this crazy gear because now you're going backwards in time so basically you're seeing everything that you already saw saw in the first half in reverse now because it goes yeah. back to the whole you know the art thing at the uh, airport with the explosion you you're seeing that but it's from a different point of view everything is from a different point of view at that point and then it, but it's those little moments of the protagonist having kind of unspoken moments with himself because that scene on the freeway when he's inverted he's going back in there in that car chase and when the uh piece of the algorithm is thrown into the car but that look that the protagonist in the car with neil gives him and it's like wait a minute like okay that's that's interesting like so at at what point does the protagonist know more than he should know it it, it kind of makes you wonder because it's one of those movies where the characters know way more than what the audience knows. And yeah. I've always been, I've always been under the, the thought that the audience should know a little bit more than what the characters in a movie know, and the characters should know just a little bit more than what the audience know. But with that movie, the characters know everything. We are just witnessing it because mm-hmm. we know nothing. <laughs> we know nothing watching that movie. Nothing. And they don't so. even, there's not even that cute little you know monologue or time travel nope. or understanding how things you know there's there's none of that it's just like welcome you get to take a sneak peek into my crazy brain and i'm not going to tell you shit nope. good luck <laughs> that's it that's it and yeah that's... hope you figure it out and i like that he doesn't care if you figured it out or not pretty much yeah. he's like oh you didn't figure it out okay watch it again people are like no you're supposed to tell me now he's like no you watch it again figure it out I love it. Because, I mean, even that scene at the end when, 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 uh, when Neil said, you know, he says, haven't you figured it out by now? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like he's talking to the, to the audience in that moment. Haven't you figured? Like, no, I haven't figured out nothing. What the hell just happened? <laughs> I nothing. Don't, I don't know what's don't know. going on. I don't know, but you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. it it's, a, it's, a, it's a two and a half hour thrill ride. <laughs> Basically, it's what it is. And it's interesting that he brought out and probably through his work with him i mean he catapulted robert pattinson's career yeah probably made him the next batman through that through that role yeah it's interesting and i I feel like what john david i think with that movie he's he went from being denzel's son to being oh that's john david watch this yeah that's not that's not denzel that's not Denzel's son anymore. That's John David Washington. He was just in a new film uh, where he's in Italy. 
and survives a uh, a car crash. I want to say, his, and his uh, his fiance dies. It's a political thriller. Does an amazing job. I mean, it is so so good. Of course, I cannot think of the name of it because I watch too many movies. This is. <laughs> Nothing scripted. It's people are like, you know, you forget some stuff. Yeah, I'm old and I forget a lot of things. It just happens, folks. It happens. It happens. Just, but you, you, you just do his IMBD. You're gonna, it's, it's fantastic. It's, uh, you know, it's, he's fantastic. He really is. Uh, and he really has set himself apart from his dad. I don't, I don't think that, you know, over the last five years or probably three years, I guess I should say, that he's even seen as Denzel's son, right? No. He's just not. He's, he's, He's um, he's really set himself apart, and he has seems to have that same uh, dedication that uh, that Denzel has. And boy, talk about a guy that you know, hard left turn here. But Denzel Washington, Shazam, <laughs> one of my favorites. I mean, hands down. You wanna you wanna get inspired? Listen to a Denzel speech. And I'm looking forward to him playing Macbeth. In this, in this uh, Joel Cohen movie. It's going to be so good. It's going to be so good. It like, is. What? I mean, when I first heard that he was playing, I'm like, okay, how's that going to work? Like, really? It's going to be. Then they released the trailer, and the trailer gives you nothing. It just gives you moments, but it gives you nothing. Yeah. And it's like, and it's, and it's in black and white, kind of like Night of the Living Dead. So yeah. It's like, Hmm. Okay, you have my interest. <laughs> you, you'll get. You're gonna get my twenty five dollars or whatever it costs to go see a film when when we get out of all this nonsense. You'll get it for for Macbeth if I can go see it because yeah. I just like him and I, I think he's gonna do something amazing with it that we we haven't seen before for sure, hundred percent. Yeah, because I mean I did not watch the uh, the one with uh, Michael Fassbender. I wanted to see. I just never got around to watching, but. But with this, I'm I'm going out of my way. I, I have to see this week, just just to see how it plays. Yeah, and he is. I mean, there's a guy who has figured it out, right? We were talking about some other actors who kind of have been typecast in some capacity or, or put themselves in that that you know that area. Downey Jr. and and Jean Claude and you know and, and and Tom Cruise. But Denzel has figured out this way to do whatever the hell he wants to do. I mean, he was great in Equalizer. He was great. And what was the, uh, the, where he's the kidnap protection, former, you know, kind of a booze hound, rescues uh, the little girl in the line of fire? Man on fire. Man on fire. Yeah. Damn. I mean, gr- gripping stuff. He, but he can do action. He can do drama. He can do romance. Uh, the dude's a wizard. I'm, I'm just waiting on him to do uh, another comedy. Uh, he hasn't done a straight comedy since uh, Critical Condition, <laughs> which <laughs> he does not. <laughs> he doesn't talk about that movie, which rightfully so, because I mean, watching that movie as a kid, it's like eh, this isn't all that great. But hey, Denzel's in it. And, Denzel's yeah. in it. He can work on his comedy Cassidy. stuff. Yeah. Did you ever? Did you ever see the uh, the film with? Um, it was had one of the most unique casts of all time. And I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you the cast here, and I'll see if if you have not see if you've seen this film. So, came out in 2003. Okay. The opening scene is Matthew McConaughey being offered oral sex by Kate Beckinsale 
and he turns it down because he's late for a meeting. Joining him is Patricia Arquette, Gary Oldman, uh, who else? Peter Dinklage. I mean, <laughs> so who else we got? We got Ed Gale, we've got David Allen Greer. Uh, we have Michael J. Anderson. I mean, this is, it's quite a cast. The movie is called Tiptoes. No, I, no, I haven't, this, I haven't even heard of it until now. First of all, this is, came out as a serious romantic drama. This is like a legit, like you guys, this is serious. So Matthew McConaughey is dating Kate Beckinsale. Okay. They're getting serious. They want to move their relationship forward, but he's keeping a secret. And his secret is, is that his parents and his brother are little people. Huh. And he doesn't want to have kids because he's afraid he might have a little child. Gary Oldman plays a little person. He walked on his knees throughout the whole film. What? Peter Dinklage is his buddy, who's a drunk booze hound actor little person and then of course you and he and he is dating patricia arquette <laughs> I, I, i'm gonna have to see this movie. no no it is so weird so so gary Oldman won't talk about it. i only bring it up because you're talking about you know denzel doesn't like to bring this movie up gary Oldman will walk off interview sets if they bring this movie up he's like i gotta go <laughs> shoes sewed to his knees he was like standing inside of a couch so it looked like he was you know sitting down as a little person wow (laughs) (laughs) it's it's a wild ride it's a wild ride oh man yeah i i don't even know what to say i mean you grab grab a friend grab just you just yeah, you got to play a little drinking game with it. So this is something you can walk away from for about 30 minutes and you're like, I pretty much know what's going on. I've got this. <laughs> no twist. No, there's one big twist at the end, which I love. I, it doesn't ruin the movie in any way, shape or form. Obviously, you know, Kate gets pregnant. They have a little baby. Her and Matthew McConaughey go their separate ways and she falls in love with his little person brother, Gary Oldman, to raise a little baby together. Out in the woods wow. in a cabin. Wow. Where a hawk could come down and swoop <laughs> that little person baby up and take it away. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you're like, oh, you're like isn't there a movie on you guys should be watching right now instead <laughs> of just this bullshit? What are you guys doing? We're having fun, folks. <sighs> no, it's a uh, that's yeah, it's um there's some it's amazing how some movies get made, right? I mean, the one thing that this podcast has taught me and uh, uh, i wonder if it's taught you the same can you believe how many horrible movies are made yeah um, <laughs> no no the re- reason why i say that is because i actually i'm part of a group of podcasters who who does a podcast called uh, it's basically about bad movies. It, it, okay. it's basically, and it's called Bad Meaning Bad, Bad Meaning Good. It's 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 a offshoot podcast of a friend of mine, um, uh, the guy named uh, Jeff from Jeff versus the World podcast. Okay, it's, a, it's an offshoot of that podcast where he kind of got a group of us and like every month, 
you know, we kind of do like a revolving thing. I might be on with someone, someone else has, you know, people, whatnot, and they and they pick a movie and they review it. And at the end of the show, the question is asked, is it bad meaning bad or is it bad meaning good? So, so tiptoes, yeah. brother. You're gonna bring him, you're gonna bring him tiptoes. <laughs> no, I might get kicked out of the group if I did. That. So, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, oh my god. Look, maybe yeah, not tiptoes, maybe something else, but there's there's enough. What uh, <laughs> speaking of bad movies that you could probably run that podcast with for the next 10 years. Any Steven Seagal film kind of passed above the law. It's like him and Cuba Gooding Jr. had a bet on on who could just say yes to every movie thrown their way. Well, let's see. Cuba Gooding Jr., Steven Seagal, Eric Roberts. Eric Roberts. (laughs) Yeah, throw him in there too. (laughs) Like, geez. But, I mean, for, for the most part, I mean, we are trying to have fun with this because, I mean, my month was uh, August where I did um, uh, DC Cab. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. Oh yeah, yeah. So that that was that was my movie, and yeah, that that was interesting. But I've been on a few other episodes where we did Blown Away, not the one with um, Jeff Bridges and Tommy Lee Jones, but the two Corys is in this in this version of Blown Away, in this Blown Away, which actually came out a year before the Jeff Bridges and Tommy Lee Jones Blown Away. Really? Yeah, that movie is wild. It's it's almost like it's almost like a erotic thriller. (laughs) That's what it is. It's like what is happening here? And then we also did a swim fan. Oh, I remember swim fan. And that was actually my first time watching. I knew of swim fan, but that was like that was like the first time I actually watched it. And I was like. This is ba- someone basically said, you know what? Let's do a teenage version of Fatal Attraction. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. what that movie felt like. And yeah, yeah. Uh, so th- those are some of like the type of movies that <laughs> that's done over on that podcast. And Dude, blown away. I have seen Blown Away now. Now that's it. And one of my uh, one of my buddies who I work with, he's really good friends with Corey Feldman. Like went to his birthday party when he turned oh, wow. fifty. Yeah, like they're boys, hanging out boys. So I'm very caught. I'm like, hey, buddy, how is your friends doing? They're, like, they're doing great. I'm like, okay, not going to say a thing. Too many jokes. <laughs> Who will be offended by? Yeah. Yes. That's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a cool concept for a podcast. I love it. I, I do. I, I love this, uh, this evolution in podcasts and, you know, the, to see the, uh, to leverage technology and, and see the way that people are embracing not just their passions, but giving their insights and their fun takes and, and their, the, the unique paradigm shifts on, on, on movies and on talking about them or anything else in life. It's, th- this medium is fascinating to me because people are like, oh, there's too many out there. I'm like, there's not enough. You know, this is, yeah. this is the wild, wild west. This is the fun part of the world. Yeah, I mean, there's something literally for everyone. And I, I think everyone does it just a little different, which mm-hmm. is what you want. I mean, absolutely. I mean, you that, know, that's how it should be. So you did a month on dedicated to Burt Reynolds. Yeah. I did a month dedicated to Fred Ward. Oh, wow. <laughs> Let me tell you, Remo Williams, that was, I mean, Remo Williams was, 
I thought that was one of the coolest movies when I was growing up as a kid. Well, it was 1986. So I was 10, 12, 13 years old when that came out. And I still, I was like, damn, this is cool. You know, it never went anywhere. It was supposed to. Yeah, because it begins, but <laughs> that, that, it Shouldn't. began and end with that movie. Yeah, it was like, so it begins and we're counting both dollars and so it ends. We're not doing another one of these. But I mean, he was in Tremors. This dude, he was, I love me some Fred Ward. He's, 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 he's got that face. Yeah. You're just not, you know, you're, you're not, you're not getting one past old Fred. That's for sure. He's, he's interesting. But, I feel uh, like for, I feel like Fred Ward is like he's the alt world Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, I like that. I like that take. That's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he is. He's an interesting cat. That is. Uh, that's for sure. It's. Uh, it's too bad. Um, you know what? Uh, that a good old uh, Remo Williams didn't uh, didn't take off. But hey, you never know. It, 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 do a remake. I mean, yeah, and he could be the older Remo Williams. They could, they could look. They, they, there's always a possibility. I mean, look at what they've done with the Halloween franchise. <laughs> so, damn, Jamie Lee's like, yeah, I'll do another one. Cash that check, girl. Cash that check. I can't believe they're still pumping those things out. Yeah, they make money. They do, and they're. Di- and you know what? I will say this: respect to the reinvention of this of the Halloween franchise way better than whatever they tried to do with Friday the 13th. Well, I, I, okay. So my, my take on what happened with Friday the 13th, and it's kind of similar with Nightmare on Elm Street, but more so with Friday the 13th, they had a good idea. Okay. We're going to redo it for, you know, a modern audience. Okay, fine bring back a you know a horror icon right yeah that's cool the problem is that they decided hey let's take some elements from the first four movies and cram it all into this and let's have it yeah and then of course the whole lawsuit thing comes about and who actually owned the right so that's why we haven't got another one because I actually like Derek Mears as Jason Voorhees. I thought he did a great job as Jason Voorhees. Mm-hmm. So now you got this whole issue with who actually owns it. And because of that, that's why the video game stopped being made, you know, and everything because the game came out, but you can't get a copy anywhere now. Yeah, it's true. And yeah, it's just, it, it kind of sucks because I mean, Friday the 13th is one of those staple horror franchises i i wish they would come i you know i wish they'd come back with it netflix do a series on jason Voorhees growing up yeah kind of like what they did with uh with psycho right yeah i mean that would be i you know that'd be awesome netflix you got money jeff bezos you've been riding dicks into space all, all summer long spend some <laughs> of that and bring me friday the 13th the right way come on now. yeah you just just buy buy off um just buy everybody off and say, I own it now. Let's make some movies. Let's make some movies and have some fun. I don't like to tell a lot of rich people how to spend their money. But I'm going to tell you, Jeff, right now. I'm going to tag you in this post. But I'm going to tell you. 
You already Hulu's Hulu's doing Hulu doesn't have the money. They had to do they had to rip off. I know what you did last summer. All right, that's fine. The CW's not doing it. They're, they're just trying to get you know my, my favorite CW. I love trash television, but not like reality trash television. I like really stupid bad television, like In the Dark. Have you heard of that TV show? I've heard of. I haven't seen it. Uh, let me tell you, there's nothing better than a promiscuous blind woman that solves crimes while she smokes cigarettes. <laughs> Jeez. Good Lord. I'm dead serious. This is like this guy. I was like, yeah, I like. And so they, you know, the guy, you know, a friend that was like, oh, aren't you worried about hooking up with, you know, uh, uh, an unattractive person? <laughs> and she's like, I don't know. I'm blind. They feel good. I was like, this gal is amazing. <laughs> she's selling drugs. She's fighting drug lords, blind as a bat, and loves to get down. I'm like, this is horrible. Or surreal estate, where the, the guy only specializes in selling haunted homes. I'm like, these are real television shows. This terrifies the shit out of me, right? Because these are real television shows. And I go, Jeff, write a check. Get me a good television show. Do the origins of Friday the 13th. And then, you know, keep the old ones. Remake uh, maybe three. And then uh, we can move forward from there. But it deserves it. It, it deserves some love. Netflix, Amazon. Someone like that should buy that and really, really give it some love because yeah. it could be awesome. Because like, like we were talking about, look at how they did the Halloween. I mean, mm -hmm. Rob Zombie, they, they, they gave him a shot and we, we saw what happened with those. And, but I like the fact that they say, okay, you know what? Let's, let's bring everything back to the roots. We're going to basically retcon everything after the first movie which I'm kind of sort of okay with that um, because it was interesting enough about it is that the Halloween franchise basically right now has what three different storylines you have yeah. the OG Lori Lori Strode storyline you have the Jamie Lloyd you know storyline in the middle and then you go back to then you have the what the second Lori Strode storyline now so you got like three different storylines in this franchise and they don't care they're like no, no they don't i mean there were because there was that there was that middle time when uh you know it was halloween and the masks uh they had the chip in them right they would turn you bad do you remember those yeah the, uh, three yeah, or four good old uh season of the witch part three tom yeah. Atkins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. tom atkins supposedly being a doctor but he was out, you know, smoking and drinking and just uh, living it up with this young woman in a motel mm -hmm. room. <laughs> so that's... Doing, doing the Lord's work. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, uh, you know, when you're, when you're doing uh, or when you're thinking about what film you want to do, especially for your podcast, what goes, what, what goes into the process? Is it, I mean, I know you talked about you're, you're kind of touching new films that you like the nostalgia and shining a light on it, but when you're thinking about that whole process, what, what goes into the, what, what's the movie that you pick? I, I mean, I, I kind of go with the thought process of, it, it was two different, it's, it's kind of two different things. Uh, on one hand is, okay, I know how I feel about this movie. Of, you know, talking about it with friends and stuff like that in my personal life. So maybe I want to bring it to the podcast 
and share my thoughts with listeners. That's mm-hmm. that's one hand. On the other hand, it's okay. Um, what's a movie that that I don't really hear mentioned or talked about enough? And like, okay, well, that's a movie. Okay, I'll go with that. And I, a perfect example of that is a few years ago, I did a Catherine Bigelow month. Oh and, wow! Yeah. All right. So I did that, and one of the movies I picked for her month was Strange Days because that movie doesn't get talked about enough and i mean that movie has a insane cast i mean you have ray fines and you have angela bassett and kind of similar to this movie you have you know a a interracial couple i mean of course they don't become a couple until the very end but still it's that whole you know you have this kind of down on his look guy you know who used to be a cop who's basically now peddling and you know stuff that he shouldn't be doing and then you have angela bassett's character who's a limo driver who because you know ray finds in that movie he he's very stupid <laughs> you know <laughs> he, he, he is. i think i even said it on the episode I, I think so that he's stupid because he's so dead set on trying to you know save faith you know juliette lewis character and she doesn't want to be saved at yeah. all and he should he should have thought like okay why is angela bassett mace is her character's name why is she always here for me why is she always here oh i don't know maybe because she actually is in love with you you idiot she actually wants to be with you but instead oh you know i gotta get faith i have to save faith and it's like it's like lenny what are you doing like he's like what are you doing and he doesn't realize it till like the very end really and then they kiss you know it's new year's and everything but but that's a great movie though and angela bassett she really is the series that movie he he just is a madman in that movie just doing a lot of the goofy stuff he does but yeah she, she carries that movie a lot so that was kind of one reason why i wanted to spotlight that movie because it doesn't get talked about when if you mention Ray Fiennes or even Angela Bassett, that's not like a movie that comes to people's mind. It's being talked about. So, one one movie that I, I haven't talked talked over and I want to, I've got to gotta figure it out. It's gonna be tough. White man's burden. <laughs> I've seen that movie twice. I've, I've seen it like four or five times. I used to own that film. I really like that film. I really like that film. It's an interesting movie. Yeah. Man, I mean, you know, it's uh I I think Travolta does a good job acting in it, right? Uh I I think it's I, I mean I think people should watch it today for sure. Yeah. It, I, I yeah, it's it's definitely one of those that tell you what, it didn't make any money. That, that, that movie made three million dollars. Uh, I mean everything can't be a hit because I mean that, <laughs> just, just and it wasn't a hit it wasn't that I mean I should I mean Harry Belafonte is awesome right yes he's legit but let's be real candid here I mean is it is it a great film no are there some good insights in that film yeah and I think that's the hard part right is how do you measure insight versus film yeah because I shoot if that movie is made today i think i, I think it, it might actually be a hit yeah that's true today so 
That's yeah, true. Well, I mean, shoot, uh, Harry Belafonte, he's still around, and Travolta, he's still, you know, dancing somewhere. So that cat, he's flying planes and dancing somewhere, shaving his head and not shaving his head. I do find yeah. it interesting. Homeboy comes back, right? He comes back large and in charge. He's got his, he's the only zombie with driving gloves on. <laughs> he he, he's missing an eye. He's got a limp. Shoot, shoot, driving gloves on. He's like, oh, Barbara, I'm back. Yo, just so you know, it's me. See my check out, check out the hands, huh? What was that? There was the uh, back in the day, Dan Marino used those commercials. The uh, the leather the leather gloves that you could buy, yeah, and he'd buy it for his lineman. Only the best for my hands, you know. That's, that's, and I, by the way, this is a, the movie's coming to an end, but I want to bring this up because I find this quite fascinating. Is um, is Romero is not afraid in any way, shape, or form to test your love for children. No, I mean, <laughs> this is like in an era like today you're not killing a dog on the screen, right? That's an instant flop in the film. You start murdering dogs, people are walking out. But back in the day, it was kids. Like kids were this, you didn't touch them. They were the, you know, they were always cute. They were always, they might be a little shit sometimes, but they're always cute, you know, they're there. And Romero's turning these kids into zombies or ghouls as you call them for this film. That's, I mean, that's two bold steps right there, right? He's taking this cute little girl and she's eating the guy downstairs you know, and, and hanging out and doing it. It's, it's wild. He did not care about kids. He, well, let's see. In this, he didn't care about kids and the crazies, what he does in oh. that with uh, the the guy and his daughter. It's like, what? It's like, what Make is Make you pucker. <laughs> Make you sit awkward anywhere. That, the crazies is crazy <laughs> like, but, i feel like an australian should have made that <laughs> yeah especially at that time yeah yeah um but to go back to the whole uh not caring about kids thing yeah i i still have let's see the the craziest thing i've ever seen regarding a kid in a movie is what john carpenter did in assault on precinct 13 when the little girl gets shot and it's like, cause you, you might see it in movies where a kid gets shot, but they don't actually show it. It's always that cut screen or let's yeah. focus on the person who's doing the shooting or whoever is standing nearby. And then you see the kid falls down. But in that, no, he shows it point blank. When she goes back to get the ice cream cone and the guy, he leans over and just shoots her. Yeah. And you see it. And it's like, oh, like oh wow like that's something you never see in a movie today if they you know people would lose their minds if if they saw that because that's like you said that's one of the three three biggest taboos of you know harming an animal harming a kid Mm -hmm. and also uh pointing the gun directly at the camera so yeah yeah it's it's it's, uh it's it's pretty fascinating that you know he's he and people look back and what's going to be, I guess it's, it really also highlights the importance of, of your, of your podcast, what you're doing with, with Jay's movies talk, right? Jay, Jay's movie talk. Yes. Jay's talking. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to throw, cause I'm going to throw, I'm going to try to fix my name into it. I'm going to mess it up, but it's important <laughs> oh, because good. you're, you know, you're, you're shining the light. One of these films that aren't, aren't regularly talked about a, but B also showing 
you know, that the right films, the right directors, the right people telling the right story can push boundaries far beyond where they thought they could go when it's done correctly. Like if it's done for shits and giggles and uh, not to knock the film because I really liked it, but Natural Born Killers was kind of done to just push the envelope to see what they could do. It seemed like, I should say that the, the, the press around it was prefaced it that way versus this film, which looking back on it, you're like, oh, there were some deliberate things done. I'm not saying that didn't happen in Natural Born Killers. I'm just saying the premise, the prose of the premise was, has been shifted, right? To, yeah. to, to that point. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting when, when you take time to actually watch a film and talk about it, what you can glean and get out of it. I mean, Natural Born Killer is a wild movie, and wild. I, I, I feel like I, I feel like it was cocaine induced. <laughs> I, I really do. Because I mean, it's like they saw California and they're like, "Hold my beer, hold on, one more bump, one more bump." <laughs> let, yeah, let, let let let's get the girl that was in California. Let's get her in this also, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get Tommy Lee Jones playing this just <laughs> wild, just over-the-top warden in this prison. <laughs> and it's like, what? It's and wild. It, yeah. And, and this is what Natural Born Killer is a year after uh, The Fugitive and a year before Batman Forever. So he does this movie in between those movies. It's like, what? I mean, this is, you know, could you imagine if he did that, if someone did that today, a set like that, like the memes and the cuts of the films that you could do to have fun with that? People would be pissed, I think. Oh, I think they would too. <laughs> with all the different, because I think he used like what, um, I forgot exactly how many different camera um, you know, frames they use it in. Like you said, all the super jump cuts. It's like, what the heck? This, it, it, it's, it's a terrible ride it, from that standpoint. From, visually, it's, it's not good because mm-hmm. there's too much going on. Yeah. It's too much. It's just way too much. But there there are some important moments because I mean the whole thing about the media is yeah. definitely talked about in that movie. The media, how it plays, how it influences, how it can make or break someone. The media. So yeah, and we've you know, and we see that today. You see it, you know, you've seen it in the past. I, I was watching a a documentary on um the gentleman, I think it actually, there was a feature film on it as well uh, from the Olympic Games in Atlanta where the media destroyed that guy's life. He found the bomb. Yeah. And they painted him to be the, uh, the bomber. And no apology. It was just, you know, when he found out that he didn't do it, there was no like, let's bring him on and I'd like everyone to apologize for completely destroying this man's life. Instead, they're like, Punky Brewster. <laughs> hey, it's Fry, huh? We don't call her Punky anymore. It's Mark Wahlberg, not Marky Mark. I'm so sorry. You know, it, it's it is uh, the the power that uh, that we give the the talking heads, and that that movie highlighted was amazing. It really was. That part, that part, true. I mean, that is a uh, that's wild. It's funny at the end of the film here. I'm you know I'm looking at this, and it's almost more impactful. There's not one other brother in this film. Nope. I mean, not, 
I mean, it really highlights it at the end. They're like, in case you're wondering, only one. No ghoul, no, you know, no, um, no part of the group going out to hunt down the ghouls. None of that. Just him. Yep. And I mean, it, sorry. No, I was just gonna, no, I was just going to say kind of similar to like, um, <clears throat> like Tenet. Yeah. John David. Yeah. He, he's, he stands out in that movie. He does. But he's also, he doesn't, you know, at the end, once again, he doesn't get the love. I mean, this is very, very transparent of what would have happened during that time, which I think is crazy, but it's very true, right? It's like, he could have, he could have gone in, saved everybody, right? Then the rescue squad comes in, they're shooting down all the zombie schools, boom, boom, boom. And then that's what the press leaves it with. And they don't talk about our real hero. Our real hero doesn't get celebrated. Hmm. Yeah, it is it is very the ending of the movie is it carries a lot of weight. And just thinking about what audiences, how they probably felt watching, you know, at the end of the movie when he gets shot. And yeah, and it's also the question asked is like, did they shoot him because they thought he was a ghoul or did they shoot him because he was black? Mm-hmm. And like I say, even though what we talked about earlier when we got started. Romero did not cast Dwayne Jones because of that. He cast him because he was the best actor for the role. But the visuals and how things play out, it warrants those questions. It makes you think about it from that standpoint. Hmm. It is certain things because it makes you wonder why is this man that's down in this freaking cellar? Why is he so pressed <laughs> against Ben? He's so upset for no reason. No it's reason. Like, it's like, why? It, even his wife says, why don't you do something to help someone? She even <laughs> says that to him. <laughs> like, why don't you do something? Stop standing down here complaining. Do something to help. And he just looks like, ah. You know. Nah, I'm good. I got it. Who does he think he is up there? <laughs> you know, it's like, what? What are you talking about? Come on now. Stop! But, no, it's it's fascinating. But, um, and, well, also, there's there's one thing from this movie that I I still kind of carry along for me, and it's what the uh, the sheriff says. Okay, another one for the fire. <laughs> I say that rare every so often. I, that's you know, it's and it means so much difference from just you know saying it and then also just being like, oh yeah, oh, God bless assholes. <laughs> Yeah, but it's weird. I do. I say that like randomly every time. Okay, another one for the fire. Especially like if if it's some either if I'm at work or even like if I'm writing something on a piece of paper and then I ball it. All right, another one for the fire. <laughs> you know, type of things. Like I was like, huh? Yeah, I do say that a lot. You know, like, yeah, it, it's uh, it's kind of stuck in there. Not in a bad way. Just in a just in a way. It's just one of those lines, like it, it it sticks out. Okay, another one for the fire. Because you you don't really hear that line, you know, a lot. Mm-hmm. So it's true. Well, Jay, listen, man, this has been it's it's so fun uh, when I do these. I mean, one, I, I like to say two things before I do that. Before I get on my little closing thing here, tell people once again where can they find you? Twitter. Tell, bring up your podcast shows again um, and, and anything else you'd like to promote, please. Uh, yeah, uh, well, first of all, thank you for having me on and, you know, talking about this movie and everything else under the sun. Um, 
yeah uh j movie talk um that's my podcast uh it's part of the tv zone podcast network uh you can find all the episodes a part of the tv zone podcast network um the website is probably like mm-hmm. easy because everything is categorized so if you want to listen to my podcast j movie talk you can or whatever other shows uh the grand slam podcast which is the baseball uh podcast of the network or the three and out podcast which is also the football i don't host those uh i make random appearances on there but those are like some of the other podcasts that you hear on the network um as far as following me you can follow me uh like i said earlier on the movie uh twitter at uh j movie talk um on um twitter i'm having a brain fart um and then also too you can follow me also on my personal page which i tweet a little bit more from my personal page it's the j giles um on there and i kind of post some just fun stuff i you know i i don't try to i don't try to you know take over the world on twitter or anything just i post just fun stuff like that um and everything also on instagram at jmt podcast that's the one for the movie i just post like little stuff related to the podcast or just different pictures and stuff like that <clears throat> movie related okay. thing. but but yeah that's uh pretty much where you can follow me uh as far as promoting anything i did mention earlier like september was burt reynolds month um that's over with now as the last episode for the month which was the longest yard where i was joined by miss Keita hubbard who is my co-host with the Keita and Jay show uh she was on the episode with me and we talked about that so that is over but for October it's all about Halloween and it's my Halloween takeover month and on the first is going to be the first episode where me Keita and a friend we're going to be talking about uh Halloween 2 the original Halloween 2 the night he came home you know he's still <laughs> he's still home basically uh in halloween too so that kicks it off but then after that i'm actually going to be done i'm taking a break so i will not be on for the rest of the month but you will hear some other great podcasters as they take over and do um parts four five and six so that's what you can look forward to if you check out movie talk uh for the month of october nice i like it i like it a lot we um I, uh, I like to say that, uh, you know, in this, in this crazy world that we live in, you know, it, it blows my mind. Uh, we can go to the store, buy something, buy bread, buy veggies, buy fruit, buy one of those pesky little avocados that are never ripe when you need them to be. And they go bad. <laughs> and guess what? We go back to the store and buy some more. You know, the, the one thing we, do, we don't get back is time. And uh, it always blows my mind. And it, it's always an awe-inspiring thing for me that, uh, that anyone would spend time with me not knowing me, especially an hour and a half, almost two hours, talking with me, you know, not knowing where the conversation's going to go, not knowing what's really happening, and just be fun and open and, and chat. And uh, I'm always blown away by that, that, the, that, that you would give something that, that you can't get back ever. So for that, you, you, you'll never know how much that means to me. And I truly do mean that. Uh, it's, uh, it really is awe-inspiring to me. So thank you for spending your time. I really appreciate it. And your insights. You know, they were great, man. They were awesome. Yeah, thank you. Uh, like I say, any time I have the opportunity to get behind a microphone, yeah, uh, I, I just, I enjoy it. So 
you know, nice. when, we, when we set this up, I was like, yeah, it'd be cool just to kind of come on. Because at first, I mean, I didn't ask, like, okay, how exactly we're going to do it. I just said, okay, let's just see how it goes, like where it yeah. goes and how it goes. So, yeah. It's going to keep rocking and rolling. So, no, I, I appreciate that. So, so thank you. And now, uh, as I like to say, this is a favorite part. Everyone else's favorite part, which is the, the very fun and enjoyable that my daughter sings about the first time she took a deuce by herself. Her famous idea to poop songs. With that said, Jay, thank you so much, folks. Check out his podcast. Check out everything that's involved and follow him on Twitter. Give him some love and uh, ask him some fun questions. And once again, Jay, thank you so much and uh, hope to have you on again one day. I appreciate you very much. Thank you. Be good. Peace.